0: to another edition of the State of Recruiting's Mailbag episode. I'm Mike Roach uh, from Orange 24-7, and I'm joined by Nick Harris. Nick, how are you doing today? Pretty good. All right, we are back uh, this week to answer another round of Orange 24-7 users' questions on on the show. As a reminder, uh, the State of Recruiting is recorded twice a week. You can get the Wednesday edition with Bobby Burton and I. And the Friday edition with Nick Harris and I. That's available on all major uh, podcast platforms uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, all those. So please, uh, if you know, find which one ever you like and, and subscribe to us there. Uh, if you can review us, that's great for us as well. So please go do all that good stuff, it really helps the show. Um, nick let's uh, let's jump right into things. Um, we got a ton of questions from the message board this week. Uh, let's start with uh, a question uh, from I believe it is as a Doty twelve and it is uh, the question is who is the most electric recruit on the Texas board? Um, and when I think electric, I think a lot of people think speed and speed's definitely a huge component of that, but I think you got to have a little bit of everything, right? A little speed, a little shake, um, you know, maybe a little, uh, to me, it's, it's those guys who, when they get the ball in their hands, everybody in the stadium stands up because they know, you know, something special is going to happen, um. I look at the running backs. I think that Kamar Wheaton has that electric type of speed, but um, you know he's kind of straight line, not real wiggly. Really, I think my my best answer for this would come from the receiver position. I think JoJo Earl kind of fits that equation. I think if you're looking out of state, a guy like Christian Leary uh, from Orlando, Florida, Edgewater, or, or Troy Stolato from Fort Lauderdale, Cardinal Gibbons those guys are are the electric type of playmakers at receiver that uh, that I think uh, our reader here's asking about
1: yeah and on my end i just look for playmaking ability you know when I, on, on the receiver end our when the quarterback throws it up to him, everyone in the stadium stands up to try to look at the jump ball. And uh, that'll lead me to Quay Davis being that pick. And, you, you know, when the ball's being thrown Quay Davis' way, there's probably going to be something special that's about to happen. Uh, I consider him the most electric on my end, but I like the Troy Stilato pick as well. Uh, he's a kid that's super quick and can make those one on one jump balls. Uh, there, there's a lot of electric recruits in this 2021 class period, uh, there's a lot of talent top to bottom. Uh, when it comes to playmaking ability, even at the running back position with guys like Kamar Wheaton, LJ Johnson. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of players on the board right now that could uh, that could make those big plays and uh, st- stand up the stadium for sure.
0: All right, our next question from Matt070 says, what is your confidence level at with Landon Jackson? Uh, the Texarkana-Pleasant Grove defensive end is a guy that I think a lot of people want to know because he's a big-time player. Um, I Right now, I don't have a pick-in for Landon Jackson, but I think Texas is squarely in the mix. I think they they kind of have been for a long time, and um, maybe Landon was, was – falling a little out of love with them at some point last season. But, Nick, when, when he came through in January and you and I got to talk to them, um, you know, it sounded like Texas really reignited some spark with him. Talking to people at Pleasant Grove, it sounds like Texas is top two, if not top three uh, for Jackson. So I, I feel good. I mean, it's really going to come down to official visits and, and kind of the way the, the back end of his recruitment plays out. But I think it probably comes down to Texas, uh, LSU, and, and A&M at this point.
1: Yeah, I think Texas still trails A&M just a bit. Uh but given a, a pretty big push off of an official visit, uh I think that Texas is right there in the mix with them um to uh possibly land in Jackson, but if you ask me right now, I would say A&M is just a slight favorite and I would put Texas number 2 and then LSU and Ohio State trailing. Um this is a this is a recruitment we're definitely going to have to keep an eye on moving forward.
0: All right, our next uh next question from uh Rest in Peace Rob Baronis. Uh, which recruits that don't currently have a Texas offer would have Texas high on their list if given an offer? Uh, the the person that comes to mind for me um, when I think about that is Deuce Harmon from Denton Geyer, a cornerback who I've spoken about a hundred times on on this podcast and other podcasts about how much I, I enjoy his game and a guy I know for sure would would really be high on Texas if they were to offer. Um, outside of outside of Deuce, I think uh maybe a guy like mm, I think Caden Salter the, the quarterback from Cedar Hill would probably listen I think uh maybe Landon Watson from Hutto That's another guy that I think would like one but um I I'll go with Deuce Harmon
1: yeah you took two of the three off my list I got Salter and uh Landon Watson on that list but I also have Dylan Goffney a wide receiver from Bridgeland uh he's a three-star right now on the composite he holds offers from Arizona Arkansas uh a few of the um local power fives. Uh, he He's a kid that, uh, you know, can make some pretty, bit, pretty big plays from the wide receiver position. But uh, I think Texas would have to miss on uh, a few of their receivers on the top of their board before they would consider Goffney. But uh, talking to some sources around Bridgeland, uh, Dylan Goffney, uh, Texas is his dream school. So uh, I, th- I think that's a kid that we could look at maybe after the early signing period when, you know, if they don't hit on some wide receivers. But uh, that's a big time hypothetical.
0: Yeah, and I, I should mention Dylan Goffney was a guy that the previous staff was was looking deep into at hosting him a couple of times, and uh, a real high-impact athlete, um, a guy who's long, can run. I think he's definitely a guy to watch for this spring uh, to explode, so that's a really good pick there. Um, our next question from Nutsbane, uh, would you rather fight 20 duck-sized Jatavian Sanders or one Jatavian Sanders-sized duck? Um, I always take less numbers, so give me the one Jatavian Sanders-sized <laughs> duck.
1: I'm just going to say no.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to tangle with any of them, really. I'd probably go with 20 Um,
1: duck-sized Jatavian Sanders. I I think I can take, you know, little ducks running around Jatavian Sanders. Maybe they'll grab my legs and throw me down, but I'll take my chances.
0: Yeah, and we should mention Jatavian uh, was just named a composite five-star this week with all the rankings updates, so congratulations to him. Um, I think he's obviously going to be... You know, one of the uh, head- headliners of this uh, Texas class, and um, this interruption into our uh, podcast—if you can hear that—is from somebody calling my phone. Uh, shout out, Coach Flight, who's calling my phone right now. Um, love Coach all right, our ne- yeah, absolutely, but we just got to call him back. Uh, next question: What is the most interesting district in five A and six A after realignment? Um, I'm gonna go real basic here. It's the it's the Cedar Hill, it's the South Dallas district for me in 6A with Cedar Hill, uh, DeSoto and Duncanville all back under one roof, and then you throw in, um, uh, you know, I think uh, didn't, uh, Midlothian got in there, Right, Nick, and um, I believe so. uh, Red Oak. Am I wrong on Red Oak? I don't think Red Oak. Can't Oaks recall, in that one,
1: but yeah. Those oh still, no, Waco Midway. In, yeah, that's, that's what I'm the
0: thinking room. of. That's yeah. Yeah, that to me, that's the most interesting district. I know it's a pretty basic answer, but um, uh, I think to me that's the most interesting. 5A, Nick, I'll let you take a shot at 5A. I,
1: I'm going to go with that Highland Park-Longview district. It is a little top-heavy. I think the, those top four teams of, um, uh, let's see, Highland Park, Longview, uh, West Mesquite, I believe, is in there. Um, I think there's uh, McKinney and McKinney North, or the, just the McKinney North. Um, that's going to be an electric district. McKinney North, they put up a lot of points. Highland Park, of course, and Long, Longview, of course. You know the, the power of those two teams. I, I think that district's going to be pretty entertaining. Um, and then down here in the, uh, in the Austin area for 6A, uh, Hutto got thrown in with the um, Austin area schools with uh, Vandegrift and uh, Connolly and some of these 6A schools. I think that'll be pretty interesting down here in the Central Texas area.
0: And uh did I read right that Hutto's opening a second school and they will also be the hippos?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's pretty hilarious. I think it's like 5 years from now, but uh th- that's going to be an interesting uh interesting game, the hippos versus the hippos in Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know. They've got some sort of weird – I'd have to read into it, but they've got like a weird uh, relationship with the hippo, and that's why it's all about – that town's all about the hippo. Um, our next question from Q Dog 90 says, In your opinion, what's more of a determining factor for a recruits commitment, a relationship with the staff or a winning program? I think it's a lot of both, but really relationships matter. Um, now – it depends on how far they can carry you. You can have a great relationship with a coach, but if that program's not winning and is not an appealing program to go to, or you think that that coach might be gone in a year or two, then the relationship matters less. It just kind of depends. It's a balance of both, but I think definitely give me the relationship because I've seen relationships win out more than anything.
1: Yeah, I like this question a lot. And With some recruits, it's 50-50, but with other recruits, it can be 80-20 with relationships or 90-10 with Uh, preference of a winning program it honestly just depends on the recruit but uh I i would say the trend more goes towards relationships with the staff and uh how how they how they believe the staff can develop their game at the next level
0: all right our next question comes to us from uh horn kc it says who is your uh next five likely commits I, I we get this question every week. I'm just gonna address it now. Like it's it's really hard for us to point down the road to five guys unless, you know, there was a period of time last summer where Texas was kinda of rolling where I could have told you, like, hey, these are probably the next five guys. But right now, I don't know that there's five guys lined up to make a commitment. So um, you know, I think the best way to address this this question is I made a, some crystal ball predictions the other day. talked about them on the Wednesday episode. Um, I like where Texas stands for Jordan Thomas, the D.N. from from Port Arthur Memorial. I like where they stand for Terrence Cooks, the linebacker from Shadow Creek. I like where they are for Halletsville running back Jonathan Brooks and a to tight end Landon King. Um, I mean that's kind of the best way. I'm not saying those are the next five commits, but those are the guys I feel right now Texas is is trending in a good position with.
1: Yeah, I agree. And this may be a question that you may want to ask us in mid-June when it's really starting to heat up or early July and we may have a you know more more accurate answer
0: yeah absolutely um all right our next question from CM1520 says uh, how many of the great O-linemen in the 2021 class are looking for early decisions before the football season um so if, if I'm just going through it the Myers might make a decision, but there's nothing set in stone yet. They may carry that into the fall. Um, you know, they were initially talking about making a summer decision, but they uh, uh, released released their um, their official visits last week, and I think that there's a chance those could carry on. Um, outside of those, I think Bryce Foster is probably looking to make a decision before the season. I think Reuben. Father, he might, although I haven't talked to him in a while, so I would need to, to update that with him. Um, and, you know, Donovan Jackson's already made a decision. So, yeah, I think for the most part you are going to see a lot of guys looking to make decisions before the season, but uh, you know, Texas is just going to have to combat that they don't they're not going to have the benefit of the season to try to turn the tide with a lot of guys. They're going to have to do everything they can um, in the spring, and the summer to to kind of flip the perception of them.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to rely on Mike's ex- expertise there. I'm, I haven't really talked to the offensive lineman on decision timelines. Uh, I know Savion Bird was a kid I talked to early last season and he had mentioned he had wanted to lock it down before a senior season. But that was I think we're running on six or seven months ago. So uh, I would probably need to update that one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, I mean, those things are always changing. They're always a moving target. Uh, KC67 asks, um, uh, how much would a 10-win regular season help Texas with the following recruits? The Myers, Savian Bird, Donovan Jackson, Kamar Wheaton, and LJ Johnson. Uh, the Brockermeyers, I think it would be good. I think that they're a little skeptical of the way Texas is trending and and, um, and development and all those things. I think that's maybe the only thing holding them out. But go win in Baton Rouge, beat Oklahoma, win 10, maybe win the Big 12. And I think it, it speaks very well for things with the Brockermeyers. Savian Bird, I it's a weird situation right now because that recruitment's changed a lot. Um, he just... He doesn't seem to be going anywhere else than SMU right now when he makes visits and until Texas can get him back on campus, I'm not sure anything is going to change that. Donovan Jackson is done. And I I would guess that Donovan Jackson stays done. Uh, Kamar Wheaton, I think it would probably register for an LJ Johnson as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. I think, I think a 10-win season would help this entire cycle completely as it would uh, any other cycle. You kind of saw that last year when we were starting to pick up the momentum in the beginning of the season. And it looked like that Texas could pull out a 10-win season. And uh, the recruitments were getting really hot. The commits were rolling in. And then towards the middle of the season, you know, they kind of were injury-prone. And they started losing some games, dropping some games. And you saw some decommitments. And things like that happen every cycle. So uh, if you can get 10 wins in a regular season for the football team, I mean, that's obviously going to pay dividends on the recruiting side. Cycle end, uh, but just one name I kind of want to mention on these five: Donovan Jackson. That's that's one that's probably going to end up at Ohio State 100. Uh, percent I- I'll live stream a pie in my face from Mike Roach if Donovan Jackson flips anywhere else.
0: <laughs> See, Nick's still young; he doesn't understand that uh, things change, change, can change in recruiting so quickly. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm I'm with him. Like I think Donovan's going to stick, but I would never wager anything like that <laughs> because. Things can just change so quickly. Um, our next question from Suite 325 uh, according to the recruiting rankings, Texas gets better talent than everyone in the conference except for OU and better than most in the country, um, even in bad times. It seems to to me that either, uh, one, the difference in talent of two, three, four, and five-star is not material, or there's a systematic problem with development. If it is the latter, do you have any thoughts on what that might be? Um, I would tell you that there's a lot of documented evidence that higher rated players transition to be NFL talents. And so, um, you know, while there are misses at those high levels, I think that you see the teams who finish highly in recruiting every year are the teams that routinely win. So I would say that one, um, the difference in talent is, is extremely material. Uh, the part two, I I don't know if I'd necessarily throw it on development. I mean, a lot of the, the problems they had last year was just you know, defensive scheme it seemed like, and you know maybe Chris Ash simplifying things and, and changing it. You know, it, it reveals those talents. They also had a lot of injuries last year. I mean, think about all the injuries they dealt with in the secondary. That's not a problem with development. That's a problem with with injuries. Um, but there were times, and especially like during the Alamo Bowl, where this team played you know, just incredible defensive ball. I mean, they have it in them, and it's not that they aren't developing as players. I think it was more uh, scheme-based last year.
1: Yeah, and I think maybe you could point to development if we're talking about the last staff. 4 years ago that was uh, uh, on this team you could probably point to development on you know four and five star guys like Jonathan Gray and if you want to point back you know mid mid decade last decade but uh, i think now if you're looking to last year and kind of looking at the results from last year i, I think it's important for texas fans just to remember how how much the injury bug hit that team in the middle of the season. Because if you look at the guys that were, you know, highly ranked in recruitments that played last year, uh, five-star Caden Stearns, um, Devin Duvernay, I believe he was a four-star recruit, Sam Ellinger, uh, those guys played well and they were the uh, leaders of that team. Uh, it just basically came down to experience. Uh, you had a lot of freshmen and sophomores in the secondary and playing on defense and, uh, and like you said, simplifying things in this new Chris Ash defense, I think will help those younger guys, uh, come to the next level a little bit quicker, uh, Uh, But I I think with this staff, you you really can't point to either of those things. It was just last year with the injury bug. I think next year you'll start to see those four and five star guys really start to jump out uh, and make an immediate impact.
0: All right, uh, from Mister Fu Manchu two hundred six, he says there are a few recruits, uh, Latrell Neville, Clayton Smith, etc., that were high on Texas last season, but it seems like we have not heard much. Uh, is that a product of the new staff or lack of development? Uh, you may have addressed Smith previously. Anybody else whose recruitment has been put on the back burner by new coaches? Um, yeah, you know, with Latrell Neville, I th- that's a weird situation, right? Because I think that you know he's been. Talking about committing for a while, but I think that a lot of schools have just wanted to see more from Luttrell. You know, he's transferred a little bit. Um, Last year was his first full year at Hightower where he was actually seen. Really interested to see him this spring and see how he develops as a prospect because I think last year he may have put on a little too much weight. I think there was some wait and see from staffs out there. Um, And so I think that if Texas pushed, Luttrell would be high on him, but right now and you have to realize, anytime a new staff comes in, they're going to want to make their own evaluations and kind of look at their own guys. Um, with Clayton Smith, I don't think it's much of a product of that. Is they're kind of crowded at the position they may see him at. So he's an outside linebacker with some edge-rushing potential. Um, they've already got the edge-rusher in Jatavian Sanders. They've already got the outside linebacker who can edge-rush in Derek Harris. So that may just be a product of numbers. But I think Texas is still very much recruiting Clayton Smith, Um you know, it's just I think other schools have had the opportunity to uh, come in and and make some hay. Most notably, like Notre Dame or uh, not Notre Dame. sorry, LSU. LSU has been a, a big player there, and um, I think that that'll be a team to watch for Clayton Smith.
1: Yeah, I can't really speak on Clayton Smith that much, but I can say LaTrell Neville is definitely one of the more interesting characters in this 2021 cycle. He's probably one of the most offered recruits in the country. I think he's up in the upper 40s when it comes to recruits, but uh, uh, when it comes to offers, excuse me, but if we're looking at committable offers, he's probably standing around 10 to 12 right now just because it, last year at Hightower, it was his first year with you know a pretty good team and he put up, I think, only 350 receiving yards, so uh, I I think it's just a wait-and-see project, like you said, uh, with a lot of these staffs, Uh, but if I had to bet, he'll probably end up at a low-tier Power 5, like a Kentucky uh, or something like that. Um, Those those are some of the offers that have been coming in for him recently, so uh, if I had to wager on that, I I would say he would end up at like a Kentucky or a a low-tier Power 5.
0: I'll say this about Latrell Beville. Talking to coaches around the country, there are a lot of people who are very intrigued with him. I think he's going to get a good look in the spring, and depending on how he looks, you know, a lot of those factors could change. Um, all right, our last question for today also comes from Mister Fu Manchu two hundred six. He says, "Who are the most underrated and overrated prospects in Texas?" I'm probably not going to give you an overrated prospect right now for a couple of reasons. One, because I have a lot of input on the rankings, so if they're overrated, um, that that kind of reflects on me. Um, and, you know, I think that our guy Gabe Brooks, who, who does the majority of the in-state rankings, does a fantastic job um, doing them. And so, uh, I mean, I could tell you some guys I think are probably a little higher than I would than I would see them. Um I've always had Kamar Wheaton a little bit high, I think, based on the, the industry standards. Um, I would also probably throw um, well, I, I wouldn't necessarily throw Latrell McCutcheon in there, but I'd like to see what Latrell McCutcheon has coming back from his injury. I would much rather talk to you about underrated players in the state of Texas, because I'm going to look on the bright side type of guy. Um, Deuce Harmon, I talked about him earlier. He got a big bump in the top 247, but um, is really a guy that that I find incredibly underrated for what he does. Um, I may be uh, Andrew Makuba, who who also got a big bump in the top two four seven. David Abiara from Mansfield Legacy, a strong side DN, end who looks incredible, and I can't figure out um, what he really has to do to go up. And then a uh, running back. That this may be stealing from Nick. He, you know what? I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Nick go, and if he doesn't give this guy, I'll come back around and, and give it because I feel like I steal uh, half of his answers by getting to go first. Is it so Jonathan ahead, Brooks? Nick. No. Do what? No. Okay. Uh, no, it's well, not Jonathan Brooks. I, have, I'm,
1: I was gonna go with Andrew Makuba, actually uh, when it comes to underrated recruits, um, and kind of looking to the 22 cycle. I think is is more fair to look at underrated recruits just because we have. We just released a new 2021 ranking. And like you said, if the rankings are different than what we're saying, we're kind of just contradicting ourselves. But if I'm looking at 22 guys like Jalen Gilbo, I think that's uh, a pretty underrated guy when it comes to attention. And, you know, I haven't seen his name much on social media, but, you know, I see him at camps just balling out. Uh, And then Andrew McCubill was going to be my other one. He's he's a kid that can get it done on the field and in the classroom. Um, He's going to be a a big-time target if uh, he can play up to his potential this spring. But uh, let me hear your running back.
0: I was going to go with your guy from, uh, from DelVal, uh, uh, Javier Dunlap. Oh,
1: okay, yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot.
0: <laughs> I think he's a guy that could really rise this spring. I really liked what I saw from him this year. Also, uh, Lyric Rawls, uh, the safety from Marshall, I think is going to be a uh, big-time dude in the spring. For When you start seeing offers go out like crazy, I think Lyric Garals is going to pick up a ton. Um, I'll also throw in Elijah Bean, the receiver from Summer Creek, and Hal Presley, the receiver from Mansfield Summit. Those are all guys I can see go way up this spring. All right. Uh, oh, i got to throw in one more. This is a Gabe Brooks find, but he showed me the film, and I was incredibly impressed. Uh, Alton McCaskill from Conroe Oak Ridge. Um, he is a guy that that I think has the potential to really blow up the spring as well. Um, 6'1", 195, runs a little high, but runs with a ton of power and and a little bit of speed, and and I think he's he's another running back in this state to watch. All right, uh, Nick, before we get out of here, anything else uh, we need to cover from your end?
1: Uh, That's about it. Just uh, getting ready for these big-time camps to start coming here in the next month, Uh, the Under Armour camp, the Elite 11 camps. uh, Excited to get going.
0: Yeah, we'll have more 7-on-7 seven seven stuff to cover. I think Endzone's coming up in a couple of weeks. Pylon's doing something in Round Rock or near you. So it's going to get busy in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to take... Uh this weekend uh, to be and, – and the next weekend, I believe, to be with my family. And then uh, we'll really jump into it. And then that goes right into spring ball, which goes right into summer camps, which goes into state seven-on-seven, seven, uh, which goes into fall camp. And then before you know it, we're into the season. So, um, you know, it's just getting through that that long off-season period. But we will uh, we'll be, back, be back to talk to you guys next week and answer your questions. Uh, thanks for, for joining me today, Nick, for uh, everybody else out there. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll talk to you next week you ready for this yeah if is the most original and heartfelt movie in years magic like this comes around once in a lifetime this friday experience it with your whole family Can we do it again? If Ready PG...